0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. We are particularly blessed and privileged to have one of our own, although he's like a bit of a country member because he lives down in the Cape now, but we consider him to be one of our own, and that's Sebastian Fleur. And it's a great honor and a privilege for us to have Sebastian coming to minister the word uh, to us this morning. Sebastian has been part of Breakthrough Life almost from its very beginnings, and uh, we've been, as a, as a church community, we've been supporting Sebastian and Karen Fleur and their family as they were involved with mission work. They have stayed on this tiny remote island of Ibu, just off the coast in uh, in Mozambique. No electricity, no running water, um, Muslim-dominated environment. They went in there and were involved with translating the scriptures and uh, then uh, came back to South Africa and were very involved in leading uh, Wycliffe in Southern Africa and the region around here. And um, so, we have benefited from hearing about what's going on in the, in the mission environment, and hopefully Sebastian will take a few moments to share a little bit about that as well. And, and then also, with regards to our working through certain theological situations and issues and thorny problems, we've had the benefit of being able to call on Sebastian's expertise and to work through things. And we've just spent the last few days just doing some recordings For our study on eschatology. Uh, It's the study of end times, the last things, and um, recording that and getting it ready for uh, a presentation later in this year. So, uh, really grateful, Sebastian, for your friendship, your partnership, and uh, for what the Lord is doing in you and through you, and we are blessed. Would you welcome Sebastian Fleur?
1: Thank you. Good morning, Breakthrough. What a privilege for me to be here again with you. Uh, It's like a homecoming. It is, uh, yeah, it's just very, very special. Allow me just to sort my things out here and uh, let us start i am delighted to be here Uh, i want to send you bring you special greetings for my dear wife karen Uh, and the two of us together once again we want to thank you for your partnership your partnership in the gospel Uh, paul writes about that in philippians 2 you know he thanks the philippians who also supported him and his ministry the church of philippi And they, you know, and he calls that, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a partnership. It is a cononia. We are partaking of the same thing. It is the mission of God. It is the work of God. You do your part. We do our part. And here we are. So once again, we just want to thank you for this decades-long commitment to you as us, as a family, and our ministry. Uh, Wonderful things have happened. We're not easy years, but also... Also not too hard was the Lord's strength, the Lord's anointing, the Lord's empowering was always with us. And you remember this green Bible. You are directly responsible for this. The scriptures for the, the Mwani people, uh, northern Mozambique, you are aware of the terrible insurrection that is taking place in northern Mozambique, the bloodshed, uh, the atrocities. Uh, it's, it's among the Mwani people, the very people that this Bible has been made for. Uh, They, a very sad situation, 80%, 80% of them are today dislocated. They had to move, they had to flee from their villages. Uh, They live in the southern part, the northern part of the province where they lived is empty because of, uh, you know, the terrible things that have happened there. An amazing opportunity for the gospel. When we got there 30 years ago, there were no believers, zero. Today, there are three congregations, and they are using this every day we hear. It is being broadcast on the local FM station in Pemba and further north in Makumia. Uh, you know, it's being read, long stretches of passage, several times a week with studies that goes with it. It's being broadcast over the air. But also these three congregations and the other people around them that are being slowly being taught and, and influenced—they are using these scriptures. So God has had work. We are most grateful. By the way, they asked us—you know, this book is not is not the full uh, Old Testament. There are some books that thing. We have done the New Testament. You know, the, 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 uh, as Muslims, they recognize four, three, four holy books: it's the Quran but also the Injil, which is the gospel, and we take that as the whole New Testament, and then the Zabur, the Psalms, that's in here, and then the Taurat, the Torah, and that is also in here. But they also now want Isaiah. They say that the greatest way to bring people to Christ is to show them how the prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Jesus. They said that is technique number one. It is something that God has given them. And, and Paul has done the same. When he has done that, when we read in, in the gospel, of, in, in Acts, we read the very same thing. So we will restart translation among them. I'm going back there later this year, and, uh, and then to do a few more books. As the church grows, we probably will complete the Old Testament So it is, uh, yes, it's a time of opportunity. Both Karen and me, i just briefly mentioned that. We are both in new roles. Uh, Until recently, we were responsible for the work in the region. Karen very much for Wycliffe in South Africa. Wonderful things have happened. One thing is a collaboration between all the different Bible translation organizations in which she was very much directly involved, uh, basically the catalyst for it. We all now work together. Uh, uh, you know, speaking from the same platform, same voice, and that has just released all sorts of things. And together as a partnership, it's now called Lumen Africa, you know, this partnership of seven organizations, uh, and we will be able to cover all the remaining translation needs in Southern Africa. There's another 30 roundabout we need to start. But worldwide, there's another 2,000 languages we still need to start. There are 2,000 going on, but there's another 2,000 that still needs to be done. There's a lot of work, but there's a, we are just in an acceleration in a new unity. Normally, the organizations are sort of silos working apart from each other. They've come together internationally, and new strategies. The Lord is giving us new strategies to, 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 to multiply the work and to combine Bible translation with the church, with the teaching in the church, not the Bible translation done in the corner here and the church operating here, but there's two things coming together. One new thing, for example, is that church leaders themselves authenticate the final product. They are the ones that say this translation is good enough. Uh, something that has not been done in the past. isn't normally been done by experts, by, by people on the side, often international uh, that is changing, yeah, we just live in a, in a wonderful time. And that's not only in Bible translation, in other organizations as well. There's a, there's a movement of truth flowing over the world. There's a, a, a recovery of truth, while at the same time an explosion of heresy and of all sorts of winds of teachings both going on, but still light is winning. I want to tell you that light is winning. God's word is growing, it is growing in favor. It says there in in Acts 13 verse 53 that the the word of God is being glorified. It's being given the honor due God's word and it is worldwide we see that happening. recognition of the whole scripture and a message of scripture. So yeah, we live in exciting times. This morning, we're going to also look at Scripture. I'm going to share with you a message that has been growing on me over the past few months. Uh, You are the guinea pigs. You're the first ones to hear about it. It, This message is going to grow on me. It's not going to be the last one that I'm going to speak about. This is a topic that I see that there's uh, uncertainty about. It's a difficult one, and you will soon see why. Uh, as we put the verses on the screen. And uh, so bear with me as we go through these scriptures and as we try to see what the Spirit wants to tell His church. So let us uh, bring up the first slide, please. And uh, so we, these texts are about uh, from the from the New Testament. I'm going to give you eight of them just to show you how important they are. It is not just one or two verses, but it's something exceedingly important, and there are actually more. There's not the only ones I'll, I can give you, but I'll give them to you now, and you will see there's some pattern. There's something there, and it's one of those, and all these verses you will see are some of those dense ones. They are, you know, you can't just read it once. You have to read it one, two, three, four times to really get it, you know, this typical Paul or Peter, you know, or the, you know, the epistle, the letters from the epistles. But we're going to read through all these old uh, eight verses. Uh, follow with me, follow on the screen, and then you will see there's, there's something that is emerging. And we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. Good. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Um, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. Okay, let's see here. Love, first of all, Paul is praying that. So obviously very important. He's praying that for the Philippians. That your love may abound more and more. And in what? How? In knowledge and depth of insight. Both of these things we're going to see again later on so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And you see the blameless is bold-faced and day of Christ is underlined. So those two things come together here. What is going on here? Blameless, day of Christ. What is going on here? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Second one, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, 13. Again, a prayer. May the Lord make your love increase. Have we seen love before? You see here again. May your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy. When? Where? In the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So here we see the same thing. We see the word blameless and holy, again, connected with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. May God himself, the God of peace. Notice the God of peace peace, not the God of hardness, of judgment, not that God is not a God of judgment, he most certainly is that, but here, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You know, this word sanctification or being made holy, that's what sanctify means, to to become holy, and made holy means to be dedicated to the Lord, you know, to make you dedicated. You know, holy is a God word. One of those strange words. We think that holiness means moral perfection. That is not really the meaning of of holiness. There are other words in scripture like purity and and uprightness. It's more in that line. Holy means you belong to God. You are in him. He is filling you. You are dedicated to him. He has his hand on you. That's what holy means. Very beautiful word actually. Uh, And it says here, the God of peace will sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Here we find the same word again. What's going on here? Uh, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see blameless coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of Christ for the second time in the presence of God our Father, when our Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Here again, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the beautiful encouragement in 24, the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He's the one who will do it. 1 Timothy 6, 13 and 14. Again, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you, Paul is charging Timothy. Uh, I charge you to keep this command and listen to the words, without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the same thing again, fourth time already. Uh, Let's move on to Peter 3.14, beautiful chapter about the end, about the new heaven, new earth and uh, in in which righteousness dwells. Remember... describes it there and then he says so then dear friends since you are looking forward to this you know to this new heaven and this new earth in which righteousness dwells what to do make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him so again we see those difficult words spotless blameless without reproach um, and so on and so on uh, Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence, that's on the final day, without fault, here we find it again, without fault, but not something threatening. And with great joy. Remember the song we have with exceeding joy. You know, now unto him, you know that song that we often sing, that scripture song with exceeding joy. That's exactly what it means. So, without fault, but with exceeding joy, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Part of praise. Jude is just praising the Lord, just making this declaration and this prayer for the people he's writing to. Then Ephesians 5, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. We're talking about that. The word making radiant. will you, you, That is one of the things we'll be talking about. Without, once again, we see it here, the very same thing. Without stain or wrinkle or other blemish, but holy and blameless. Uh, same thing again. This must be important. This must have been very important for Paul to say this. Very important theme he wanted to get across. And then Colossians 1 28. Here's the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What's going on here? What are we going to do with these wonderful verses and these rather challenging verses? Don't you think? And uh, what, what are the patterns? We, we see something. We see something between all these verses. There are more. Uh, I haven't quoted them all but definitely these here. The first thing we see, we see that there is a presenting going on. All, it is all, all referred to the, to, the, to, to the second coming of our Lord Jesus and that there is a presenting. There, there is something happening. So who is doing the presenting? Uh, we see in one words that Paul is doing the presenting. He's, he's, he wants everybody to be presented as mature, but we, most of them we see that actually, um, that God is doing the presenting. So it's, it's actually not stated who the present is doing the presenting, but actually Jesus, when we, when we do analysis of it all, it is Jesus presenting his church to the Father when Jesus comes back. So what will happen is when he comes back, you know, we talked about that this week when we did all the recordings, when he comes back, we will receive our, bo- our, our bodies If we have passed away, if we are still alive, we will be changed in the twinkle of an eye, we will be changed. All sin will be removed, all weakness will be removed, and we will have a body like Jesus had when he was resurrected. A body that was able to exist in the full power and glory of the presence of God. You know that not anything can be like that. When we see God now in, our, in these bodies now, we will be immediately burnt up. We will not be able to stand it. It's, it's too much. We, you know, we need to have a new body, a spiritual body, like Jesus' body. Uh, and that is what we will get. And when we get these new, in the new body, when Jesus is coming down, we'll come down with him to earth. And then the church, each one of us individually, And all the believers through the ages, all of them, way back from Abraham, from Noah's time, all the way to the very last ones, will be presented to the Father. And Jesus will present us. And just just think of how that day will be like. Just for a moment, let your mind go that you as an individual, you will be presented by God the Son To God the Father, this is no small thing. It is—it is a—that is—it will be the pinnacle of our existence. It it will be a glory. It will be a magnificence. It will be an honor indescribable. That you and I, as individuals, just imagine. But not only as individuals, it will also be the church. The church will be presented. Breakthrough life as a local church. You will be presented as a church by Jesus Christ to God the Father. And he will be boasting. You know, this language that Paul is using. You see it several times. In a, there's no time to, to, to quote them all. But he refers several times. Paul has been talking about, I'll be boasting about you on the last day. So he will be boasting to Jesus and to the Father. Look what, what you have done through me. Look at this church. Look, look how they have grown. Look what happened here in Breakthrough. You know, when, when we start coming here, we, we met in the, in the boardroom, dining room, little room on the side here they have child. Do they have the Bible bugs there? Do they still have the Bible bugs? They still exist? I'm a Bible bug. I'm them. You know, I, I told you in the past, I'm a Bible bug. I'm one of them. Anyway, uh, they, they, they might meet there. And that's where we met. That was it. And look now, what God has done these decades later a body growing in maturity, growing in faith, growing in influence, growing in impact, growing in number. You know, and Jesus will say, Father, look here. He has breakthrough. And he will be proud. He will be boasting. You know, we teach our children not to boast. It's not good to boast. But, but Jesus will be boasting. He will say, look what I have done, he will say. He, he will not say how good they have done. He will say, look what I have done in these people's lives. Just look, here they are. And uh, what a glorious day that will be. And uh, something to look forward to, all of us. Uh, but now we still need to figure out what is going on. Because this verse here doesn't just refer to us being changed that final moment and, and uh, the, you know, the, the cleansing and the final transformation that will happen to us. It also talks to us what, sh- what should be happening to us now as we prepare for that day, as we look forward to that day. So what is that? And that's a little bit complicated and that is what we, uh, we need, to, need to look at. What it does not mean, you know, this process that must work in us, it's sort of slightly intimidating, you know, spotless. You know, we hear this word, blameless. We need to be blameless. Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, I'm not blameless. Uh, you know, I'm not spotless. You know, you know, John has taken us through just now, no condemnation, uh, and we praise God for that. But, but we are aware, isn't it? We are not yet perfect. We are not there. We are on a journey. You know, and of course, the journey is different. We, we are free. We, we have been set free. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been washed in the blood of Christ. We sang about it. Uh, but yes, there's they, they still, still something happening in us. God is still doing a work. And yes, the work in us, and I think that's the first thing I just want to leave with you as well, the work that God does in you. And, and, and bear with me, it's, it's probably a slightly complicated, strange thought. The work that God does in you is perfect. God cannot do anything less than what is perfect. So if he helped you this morning to show kindness and to, maybe to wake up with a song in your heart or maybe when you had a short time of Bible reading or prayer or quiet time or act of kindness in your home or when you came here, that thing that you did is perfect. And that feeling that you had and that who you were And these few hours since sunrise is perfect. Okay, we know around it there are other things. We know we are not there yet. So there is perfection within imperfection. How does that work? Don't ask me. (laughs) We just don't know. It's complicated. But remember this thing. God cannot do anything that's not perfect. You can read the scriptures full of it. Psalms is full of it. Ecclesiastes, you can go and read it. God does only the perfect thing. So, yes, he works in us uh, uh, and and we grow. And and that's partly what this word blameless means already. He's already doing blameless things and perfect things in us. But we are also being encouraged. He's praying for for, for the Thessalonians and for the Philippians that they will grow in love. And that they will grow in fruit of the Spirit and grow in all sorts of things uh, while they get ready, while they move towards this glorious day. So what does this blameless really mean? You know, it, it, is, it is a difficult, difficult term. So first thing, it does not mean perfection. We already said so. We all know that and until we die or until Jesus comes again, we will not be fully perfect yet. One of those things we have to live with, don't worry, God is doing a perfect work in you, and he will complete it, he promised it, didn't he? Uh, but uh, uh, this is, doesn't mean perfection. It also not necessarily means wholeheartedness per se. Yes, it does mean wholeheartedness, uh, uh, but there are many people, many believers, who are wholehearted about all sorts of things, that are maybe not really the right thing, and we're going to come to that, them now. So whole, wholeheartedness per se is also not what is uh, meant by, you know, by, by this blamelessness. It also doesn't mean some Christian elite, some some of us are going to reach this high standard of holiness. We're going to become, we're going to be so sanctified, you know, and uh, so holy the rest of us, you know, we will live, you know, in heaven, we're going to live in some shack somewhere, but they, they will be in the front rows, they will live in, you know, the palace, you know, wonderful place. N- doesn't mean that. I don't think, I don't think there's this, this, that distinction is, is what we talk about here. Also, it doesn't mean just what you will be reckoned when you are transformed that moment. That God will see you as perfect, fully forgiven in Christ that moment justification, we can say, because he talks about a process. He talks about growing love and grow, our hearts being strengthened. Remember these verses we read and that, that, that Timothy is being charged to be, to be faithful and to, 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 to minister in a certain way. His ministry should be spotless, you know, so um, all those things. So what does it really mean? What does this this, this, this blamelessness really mean in, in this context here. Yeah. It's complicated. And I struggled with it. And, you know, when, when I'm going to speak about it maybe six months from now, probably will know more, I understand it a little bit better as the Lord is revealing it to me and to others as i reading up But he maybe has shown others. But what I think it means is we need to go and look at the word blameless. What does it mean? In the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was made, you remember in Leviticus Instructions were given that the sheep or the ram, the goat, the bull need to be blameless. Tamim is the word that they use, or tam, the Hebrew word. Uh, what does it mean? That word means without defect, doesn't mean perfect. You know, we live in a broken world, there's no animal being born that is absolutely perfect. You know, every hair in place, every organ functioning perfect. There's no such a thing. But it needs to be blameless. In other words, not blind, not lame. You know, and those specific instructions I said. You don't, don't bring a goat that's lame or one that has got some skin disease or just bring me your bad, you know, bring, bring God your bad animals. Keep the good ones. And for sacrifices, you bring the ones with defects. You're blind and lame. A leg standing like this and an eye standing like that. Don't, don't, you know, don't bring them. Bring the ones that are blameless, that are fit to be presented to God. This whole thing of presentation, you see, I remember we're talking about being presented on the final day. This whole imagery is the same right through Scripture. So what does it mean for us to grow in this type of blamelessness? What, what is it? What is it? We already said it's not perfection. We don't say it's some super elite Christian state performance that you're in. Uh, um, so, so what is it then? And I think we, we need to find our clue in how Jesus was when he presented himself as a blameless sacrifice to, to, to the Father. You know, we see in 1 Peter 1.19, but of the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The word defect, I think, is the key. For us to understand, to 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 understand what's going on here, Jesus was a lamb without defect. He was fit to be sacrificed for our sins, to be presented to the Father as a atonement, as a as a remover, as a sin carrier for us to remove our sin. He was fit. He was acceptable. Again, it says in Hebrews 9, 14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, will cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So you see this whole idea of blamelessness, without a blemish, without a defect. That is, I think that is where we need to look for the understanding of this verse. So what does it mean to be You know, in Christian terms, what what does it mean? I think there are some images that that Paul uses for people who who, who are maybe blameless and who are not so blameless. He talks about those who are building. Remember, he's talking about the visions, you know, the the Corinthians were divided. They argue who they belong to and who's their favorite leader and so on. And all sorts of other issues in, 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 in the letter of Corinthians. And he talks there, speaks about building on the foundation of Christ. They are believers, make no mistake, they are believers born again, but they are building with grass and with hay and with wood that will be burned when they will be presented to the Father, you see. Or they build with what? With gold, silver, and precious stones that will withstand the fire of God's presence. And uh, so that is what we need to build with. So, uh, you know, there's also the difference between carnal and spiritual Christians. You know, Paul, in the very book, Letter of, of Corinthians, mentions that. To be carnal, to be spiritual, you know, we, need to, we are encouraged to be spiritual, to have the mind of Christ, to think ways in, a, in a influenced by the Spirit, to think according to the Word and as the Spirit leads us. So that, that is what it basically means. And so we need to look, just to understand this a little bit better, what are these defects? What makes us defective? is a slightly you know, and this is probably the harder part of the sermon. Bear with me, uh, concentrate with me. Is, this is probably don 't don 't become don 't become fearful that this is terrible for me. this is going to condemn me. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. It is taken away. We have already heard about that, but we still need to look at this What are these defects? those things that will make that we will not be presented all together unblemished on the final day. You know, and that will be covered by the blood of Jesus anyway. We will still be presented to the Father, but he will probably be boasting a little bit less about us. You you, you get the sense? And uh, so let us look at those defects. And they, actually they are very much freedom giving. They are not hard. They are not burdensome. That You will not walk out of here and say, I cannot do that. That's not for me. This is, the standard is there is way too high. Uh, this, this is not for me. But just a, a little picture of what, what which are these defects. The first one is, is a very logical one. You know, is Christ Jesus, the Son of God, everything to you? Is there a relationship? Is there, is there a personal relation? Is he when you wake up in the morning? Are you in a hurry to get your coffee and to get to a, to a time of quietness before him? Even short. But you want to be in his presence. You, 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 you want to be intimate with him. You want to hear from him. It's about him. You're going to live this day for him. There are many people, many believers who are Christians, but Jesus is out of focus. Christian activity, Christian performance is what is in front of them. You know, I'm going to do this for the Lord. And, you know, maybe some Christian cause. There are all sorts of causes. Like, uh, you know, I don't do mention them. I don't want, if people are here doing those things or, or, or being too much involved, I don't want you to let you feel bad. But, for example, this Israelism. You know, you know everything is Israel, everything is Israel. It's fine, you know, to call Jesus Yeshua. It's fine, it's fine, but it becomes such a cause, it, it, it consumes you, and Jesus is out of focus. It's like a camera, when you make a photo, you know, and you have this, you know, and you, you zoom in, and you have, here's the person, and there's a tree, and you turn it to the tree, and it focuses on the tree, and the person gets out of focus, you know, Jesus sort of in the corner, sort of out of focus. Other things. It doesn't mean you're not a believer or you're unsaved. You are saved. But maybe this is building with hay and with wood. Um, the, the thing is, is, is Jesus central? Are you in love with him? Are you, are you flourishing in his presence? You know, is he beautiful to you? Is he attractive to you? Is he, you know, all of us want to follow a leader, don't we? Don't we, you know, isn't so much of what we see in the press, we, we look for leadership. We have a leader. We have a, the king of kings. We have the best leader ever we could imagine. The Messiah is sitting on the throne right now. In ascension, when he was ascended to heaven on that day in Jerusalem and the cloud took him away and he received his full glory back, you remember he laid it down, he didn't lay down his divinity, he remained God but, and it popped out every now and then, remember all the miracles, his divinity came through, and then, you know, and then also on the transfiguration, remember that that part there, Uh, and then he died on the cross, and then he rose again, and when he was ascending into heaven, his full glory was given back to him. That glory, that is uh, unapproachable light. You know, as we are in our bodies right now, we cannot get into that. We first have to be transformed, our bodies, uh, it needs to be completely transformed to be able to withstand the sheer magnificence of it all. Anyway, that day he arose to the throne, the Messiah, the King of Kings, and from there he's ruling. And this prophecy of Daniel, the stone, remember the stone that hit this big statue of all the different empires, it was a small stone, and the stone is growing and growing and getting bigger. And that stone is rolling today, and we are part of it. And Jesus' enemies are are being put under his feet one by one, even in your life today and tomorrow. One by one, the enemies are being submitted, are being subdued. The light is growing. We are winning. We are winning. It doesn't look like it, but we are winning. Amen. I don't know. Do you agree? You know, God's word says it. It doesn't look like it. We need to see with spiritual eyes. And actually, if we really go and have a look, even logically, we light is winning. We are seeing victories for the gospel. You know, that's my work. That's what I do. I'm, you know, I'm now an international consultant you know, globally involved with, with, with Bible translation with other things. We're working with, with a church in Papua New Guinea. They have 700 languages there. How do you like that? 700 tiny little languages. That the people groups, they live 30 kilometers apart from each other, thick jungle, never have contact with each other. The only way to see one another is go through a thick jungle, maybe on a river, and the language next door is completely different completely different. So we are working there with a church, a church notice, where the church says, but we need, you know, these people, we, we have, we have a, a general language, Tok Pisin, uh, sort of a, a trade language, but it's not working. You know, we don't really get through to people's hearts. They don't really know the language. There's only a few businessmen, the traders, maybe a few leaders, they know that language. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we need to get to those small languages. So they said to us, (laughs) they came to us with a list of 84 languages. Can you help us? Can you help us? How can we translate these 84 languages as soon as possible? Because we need it for our church growth. Our churches have hit a ceiling. You know, God's word is not understood. You know, these type of things God is doing. So we are working with them, it's a whole new approach, out of the box, uh, innovation, you know, the, the group I'm call, um, part of is called the Innovation Lab. Can you imagine? That's what we do. We're, we're being, being tasked to innovate, to come with a new approach. We're not going to do it the way we did it in the past. Like we went to the island to Ibu, took our time, you know, how many years did it take? 20 years to finish this Green Bible. Not of that. No, we, we don't have that time. We need to do it. And the church themselves want to be involved. They want to check the quality. They want to. F- feel it's good enough, but they don't want to be trained. So the whole, you know, so many new things happening. Just to show you, God is at work in new ways. There's an acceleration happening. There's a multiplication happening. That is mind-boggling. And that's not only in the field of Bible translations. It's in many other fields Uh, of of poverty alleviation, of medical, you know, of Christian service upliftment worldwide. We are seeing beautiful things. The the world is a better place. Don't believe what you see in the press. The world is a better place. Infrastructure, uh, medical, education. We are finding people in the middle of nowhere. We thought, how are we going to get these 84 people, uh, 84 languages translated we're finding people they were educated 10 years ago there was no education and here we see here they come and we can use them as translators and, and all sorts of things wonderful things happening anyway what i'm saying is that we have this king he's on the throne he is ruling things are getting better the kingdom is expanding and let us keep our eyes on him let he be our focus not there are many christian causes and there are many things, many teachings, many doctrines to be passionate about. Pet topics may be, you know, and we only talk about that. Oh, and Jesus is out of focus. Let Jesus be in sharp focus daily for you. I think this is, the, this is, a, this is a defect that, that many, many believers struggle with. Jesus is out of focus. He, he's, he's sort of, you know, John Piper calls it about we are God ignoring. We are Jesus ignoring Christians. <laughs> It sounds odd, doesn't it? But that is, that is what we do. We, we, we are busy with the Christian life, and we are busy with doing church, and we're do, busy with this and that, but we are God-ignoring and Christ-ignoring. That's a defect. It's really a defect. The other one is, that is related to this, is to do with knowledge. Yes, and I know knowledge is a dangerous thing. Uh, you know, it can be kopkenis, you know, head knowledge uh, you know, just fill your mind with theology and with doctrines, and, but it doesn't come down. You don't live it. It's not part of you. That's, that's, that's a danger. We need to watch out for that. At the same time, we do need to understand the truth of God. And where do we find it? In the Scriptures. So, one spiritual defect that many people have, is that many Christians have, is that they are not strong in the Scriptures they are not mighty in the scriptures. They don't know their Bible. They don't know the doctrines. They don't know how it works that we can be without condemnation. How does it work? Where does it come from? How does it work? How does atonement work? You know, all sorts of things. How does the Trinity work? So they, 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 they basically worship three gods. Now they pray to the Spirit and then they pray, pray to Jesus and then they pray to the Father. You know, Just this, all sorts of doctrines going around and then winds of doctrines come, deceptions come. False teachers come, and we are just being flooded with that in the world. How do we discern? How do we know? And defective Christians, they will fall. They will stumble. You know, they will struggle. And the answer is, get into the Word. Be People of the word. Spend your time. Come and listen to the sermons. Come to church. Learn what you can learn. We're not talking about corpkenis. We're not talking about head knowledge. We're talking about spiritual knowledge. True spiritual knowledge that will make you grow. The light is light. Let the light shine on you. The light of God's truth. So that's another one. Another one is, is grace. The problem of grace. Free acceptance. You don't have to earn God's favor. You don't have to merit it. You first. You don't first have to be good. And if you are good enough, then God will forgive your sins, uh, and then you are acceptable, and then you are in. And not only with God, with one another. You know. Uh, you know. I'm. You know. I, I have to earn. The, the the respect of my you know this is a, some of it is probably true that we have to really earn people's respect. You know I I recognize that we have to be nuanced about this. But at, at the heart of things, I accept you who you are, you accept me who I am in Christ. This is it. Uh, there's grace. Yeah, and we help one another, and sometimes we correct one another, and and the, the, you know something needs to happen, and things need to be said. You know, an iron will sharp an iron. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's grace. We don't have to merit the love of God and the favor of God. We we can enter God's presence in Christ. Mind-boggling. That, and if you don't understand that. And if I don't understand that, I'm spiritually defective. I will not grow spiritually. I will not flourish. I can guarantee you that. And I've been there. You know, many of us have been there. You know, there's been a strong emphasis on Christian performance of sanctification. We have to live like that. And I'm not saying we must not do those things. Most certainly, we must do those things. But what is the Heart. The heart is, we do it because of grace, because of relationship. Remember what Paul says? If we want to be blameless at the end, we need to increase in love. He's he's working that, you know, love needs to grow in us. This this appreciation of who God is and then a desire to give him everything. And the same to one another, you know, an appreciation of one another. And then there's just this urge to do our best for one another. That's, That's what love is. And we we grow in that. Then you are not spiritually defective. You you will not have arrived by the time you die. You will not have arrived by the time Jesus comes. It doesn't matter. You are not defective. You see the difference? Do, do, Do you see the difference? This is very important. The last one to end with is relationship, community. Very important for us at this COVID season. You know, there was a time of fragmentation, we were driven apart. We, we cannot meet only on Zoom. Yeah, that was good, you know, but that was definitely a temporary measure. Face-to-face relationship, that is how we grow. That's how we love one another. That's how we speak into one another's lives. That's how we enjoy life. You know, it's, it's a fact of life, even for unbelievers. If they are strong in relation. I just yesterday listened to a little clip of what, what Steve Jobs said at the end of his life. very sad. The lonely man, he died, one of the most successful businessmen, inventors of, probably of, you know, of, the, of, of Western civilization. You know, what, you know, what did he give us in terms of technology? Incredibly successful man, but he died lonely. He said, I neglected the relationships. He said, value your friendships, enjoy them. Don't worry so much about flying first class or having you know, between a 300 rand or you know, $300 bottle of wine and a 30 bottle of wine, so it's all the same wine. Uh, you know, the taste is more or less the same. You know, why would you pay that difference? You know, things like that. Uh, it, was just, it was a very interesting little clip. Look for it, it's quite interesting to, to, to hear a man. That was his last words before he died. And uh, value of relationship, of people, of one another. And, uh, you know, let us, you know, this fragmentation that has happened, let us do what we had to do with our computers in the past, let us defragment. Remember, we had to defragment our computers, get those things together again. Let us do that. Let's come together, friendships, uh, relationships. Uh, You know, if if you've drifted apart from people because of the COVID season, it's okay, don't feel condemned, but restart, join again, your life group, come out. It's okay. It is okay, you know, friendship, people, very important for us as believers. If we want to flourish, if we want to flourish, and we can flourish, we have all the promises of the New Testament, we have a king on the throne who says, unto me has been given all power in heaven and on earth, and I will be with you until the end of the age. There is not a single resource we need that we don't have, it's all there. All promised, it's there, in the bank, waiting for us to draw. Let us do that, and one of them is relationships. Let us enjoy one another, let's enjoy God's people. And uh, you know, it's one of those ways also, and those who are not doing that, it's, it's, it's a blemish. It, it, it's, you're going to struggle, you're going to build with with hay and with wood, it's going to, it's, it's going to be difficult. Come, and... Uh, and uh, come with God's people again. With this, I'm going to end. Uh, there's much more to say. Uh, so these are difficult scriptures to read. You, you saw them on the screen. Go and think about them some more. Think about these defects. I'm not saying that you have defects. There are some of you where none of these apply. And I probably think many of you, none of them apply. You are, there's no defect. But if there is maybe an area, come, let us pray about that. Talk to somebody, maybe go home, pray about this. maybe I have not put enough attention on really improving my knowledge. And I've been open to all sorts of teachings and stuffs and wings of learning and teaching. And it has confused me. I want to become mighty in the Scriptures again. You know, make that decision today. Uh, But for others who are already... Don't have those defects. You're already already strong in those. Commit yourself to do it even more. Grow. You know, one of the verses we read here, God wants to sanctify us through and through. Remember that one verse, 1 Thessalonians 5. Go on, be more abundant, grow. We're all going to grow. And remember the day's coming that we will be presented to the Father. Individually, as a body, as the church in South Africa, as the church in the world, as God's people, together with God's saints of the Old Testament, we'll be standing there with Abraham, and with Moses, and of all of those, we'll be there, and we'll be presented to the Father. Just imagine what a day that will be. And with that in mind, and with that joy, that exceeding joy that that day will have, let us do, and let us live here on earth. Let us pursue blamelessness. Not perfection, but blamelessness. Amen. Allow me to pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. And your apostles that you inspired uh, to write scripture for us. and, And this theme of blamelessness that has been presented to us. And the link of that with the final day, the last day. And you are encouraging us today. And, and those prayers of Paul, that we will increase in love and that our hearts will be strengthened as we love one another. And as we walk in peace and as we grow spiritually, but also blamelessly. Oh Lord, help us, uh, help us to deal with those things we need to deal with, without feeling condemned, without hating ourselves. But just dealing with those things, grow move forward, get the help we need, get the counsel we need, get the knowledge, get the insight we need, and as we can grow together as we prepare for that glorious day. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Amen. Can we appreciate Sebastian?